We're continuing our series this morning on the Gospel of Luke, called the Upside Down Kingdom, called that because whenever Jesus came into this world, he flipped our way of doing things upside down. And today is another example of this. If you would, you can go ahead and turn to Luke 11, that's where we'll be. Whenever I was teaching at Lipscomb, I realized near the end of the year, I peaked. And by that I mean everything that I would do after this one project I did would be a total and massive letdown for my students forevermore. So I'm happy that this project came near the end of my time as a teacher and near the end of the year because nothing I would ever do would top this. So what I did was I created a three week long project in the form of a game called the life game because the game of life is copyrighted. But the idea was the students were all gonna create a character. It was supposed to be themselves. Some of them didn't really do that. One person had dedication to create a basketball player that did nothing but played basketball and even lived in a gym and didn't have like a bed. He only slept for an hour and stuff. It was really funny. But the idea was they were supposed to take where they are in life right now and then we were gonna simulate it all the way to their death. And that sounds a little <laughs> gloom and doom, but it was really, really helpful. And the fruit that came from it was better than I, I could have dreamed. Because what I was trying to teach my students is that their actions have consequences. So a lot of them, they would set goals at the beginning. I wanna make the most money. And in their pursuit of that goal, they ended up not making good lifelong friends. And it took a toll on their character. If they ended up settling with their significant other whenever they probably should have broken it off with them, they had a higher chance of getting a divorce later. If, if they were somebody who was intentionally trying to make all the worst decisions, which some of them were because they thought it was funny, some of them ended up in prison. And whenever they set the goals out that they did, at the end of it, we all asked the question, how did I get here? How did I get here? I think this is a question that all of us can ask at different points in our lives. How did I get to this point where I don't have any good community or good friendships? How did I get to this point where I'm addicted to this thing or substance and I'm stuck at rehab? How did I get to this point where I'm being unfaithful to my spouse? And at a world level, how did we get to a point where the mental health crisis is as bad as it, as bad as it is? where anxiety is so crippling? How did we get to a point where we are so divisive and at each other's throats about everything? How did we get here? Let's see what Jesus says about this question. In Luke 11, beginning in verse 33, we read of this story and this teaching that's all about light. But before we get into that, the context of this teaching is Jesus is talking to a mixed crowd of Pharisees. He's talking to some disciples and some other people in this crowd. And the, right before it, the section before it, is the teaching of the sign of Jonah, which is Jesus ultimately saying, I am the sign of Jonah. I am the Messiah. I am the sign before you. So accept me. And we read this in verse 33 right after this. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. So Jesus is using kind of a funny metaphor here. Imagine going out of your way, taking the time to get an oil lamp and ignite it to provide light for yourself only to put a bowl over it. 
That's kind of ridiculous, right? And that's part of the metaphor. He's trying to show it's a pretty ridiculous thing. People don't do that. They put a lamp in the darkness so they don't stub their toe in the middle of the night when they're getting a midnight snack, right? And it's important to remember too, this lamps, this is not just like a flip of a switch. It takes some effort to do this. So to go out of your way to do it, only to cover it, doesn't make sense. And what he's associating here is that Jesus and his teachings are the light. And he's wanting his crowd to see this, that he is the light, to accept him as the light of Israel. And I'm partially thinking, we sang thy word, I'm thinking Jesus was thinking of the psalm that inspired that as he's saying this. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And we're going to get a little bit more into that in the preceding verses, or the, not preceding, the ones after. <laughs> What's that word? Uh, so the life and teachings of Jesus, they are a light to us and a guide for us, not something to be hidden. So the metaphor kind of shifts a little bit with light, okay? In verse 34, it says, your eye is the lamp of the body. So that thing that provides you guidance, like the lamp that we were just talking about, and this metaphor are your eyes. And we'll unpack that a little bit more. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not dark darkness, or in other words, that which is in you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. Or more accurately in Greek, as if the rays of a lamp are shining on you. And that word for rays or light in that last verse, if you look in the New Testament, every other spot that that word is present, it's translated as lightning. The idea is this really bright light, a, a big shining light. So what this is saying is kind of hard to understand, right? It's, it's kind of all over the place a little bit. Scholars are a little divided on exactly how to interpret this. But the thing that makes the most sense to me, the Kyle Bingus opinion in this, is our eye is the source that guides us. And Jesus compares our eye or the things that we take in and perceive as a lamp that gives light to the rest of the body. So we need to make sure that our lamps are full of light so that way our whole being will be full of light. And in this situation, this metaphor, who is the light that he's talking about? Himself, Jesus. What Jesus is pleading for is for our, our eyes to be full of his light. That's what he was trying to get the crowd to get behind. Because if we do not do this, if our eyes are unhealthy, and consequently, then our whole bodies will be unhealthy and full of darkness. So what we see here is that the things that determine whether our body is healthy or not is what we allow to be the source of our lamp. If we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, then the whole person glows. But if we don't, if our judgments are poor, if our eyes focus on what is unhealthy, then darkness enters our bodies and fills it. Okay, put a pin in that for a second, we're gonna come back there. If you go a few chapters earlier in Luke 6, Jesus has a similar teaching that's a little different. No good tree bears bad fruit nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. 
People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So this is related, but slightly different. Here Jesus is arguing in saying that good trees don't bear bad fruit. He's saying from the overflow of one's character, from the overflow of one's heart comes naturally good fruit. Or if, if the character is not as healthy, then naturally will produce bad fruit. So if you take these two teachings together, what you're going to see is a little bit of a cycle or some interplay. If you put bad content into your head, or if you have a lot of bad habits over time, it slowly starts to change your character. And from the overflow of your character comes more bad habits. So how do we break this cycle? If, if we are somebody who doesn't have the greatest character, which I would wager not all of us are perfect, right? There are things within us that still need to be changed and given over and refined into the image and likeness of Jesus. So how do we break this cycle so our whole bodies can be full of life? What part of this cycle do we alter? Well, it's not character. Because character is something that's automatic. It's something that's just a part of us. It's not a flip of a switch. It's who we are. It's not necessarily the things that we do. So the part that needs to change in order for our character to change is our habits. The things that we do. The things that we think. The things that we consume. And I want to be very clear. This is not a let's pull, your, pull ourselves up from our bootstrap sort of try harder sort of thing. This is a let's abide in the Holy Spirit. Because only in the Spirit can we say yes to the light. But our habits do greatly shape who we are. Think about it like this. If you want to be a runner, the first few times that you're running, it's really hard. It's harder on your body. You're out of shape. You don't really want to do it. It's hard to have the motivation to wake up to do it. I can very much so relate to this. I can't relate to what I'm about to say. But so I've been told, once that becomes enough of a habit, people actually look forward to running. I guess some people are kind of sick like that. Um, <laughs> but, but from what I hear, once, it be, once you do it enough, it becomes a part of who you are. And that's like the natural overflow of your life. You look forward to doing it. You get joy in doing that. I do not. But from what I understand, some people do. And I'm using that as an example just to say that it takes time for our habits to refine something about us to make it be the natural overflow of our hearts. So let's, let's go back to this original question. How did we get here? I had several students last year around the same time I was doing this game with them, came up to me and they said that they were having a lot of anxiety. And they didn't know why they were having so much anxiety. So I did this sort of assignment with them. I wanted them to share with me, take them through their average day and tell me everything that you do from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. So I had, a, I had several variations of this basic flow of the day. Well, I wake up feeling very tired. Then I immediately check Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Snapchat. And then I get out of bed. I take a lot of time trying to uh, figure out what I'm going to wear because I want to be accepted at school. And then I end up getting a little bit late to school. 
I normally have like a quiz or a test that gives me a lot of stress. Whenever I'm in passing periods, I try to spend it with my friends when I can. Otherwise, I'll just check social media on the downtime. And then at the end of the day, I have three hours of soccer practice. And then I have about two or three hours of homework where I feel pressure from my parents to do really well on those. And then I go to sleep, check all those sites again, and then sometimes wake up in the middle of the night feeling anxious. And I'm like, you're wondering why you're so anxious? I think you answered your own question. Because before you even get out of bed, you're comparing yourself to other people with social media. You're disappointed whenever your friends don't send you a Snapchat. You feel like they don't care about you enough whenever that doesn't happen. You're terrified because you read all these news lines that are all gloom and doom. And then you have the pressure to get into college, so you have to do well there. You feel pressure from parents to perform in school and in sports. It'd be a miracle if you weren't anxious. And I'm using my students as an example, but I think all of us, we need to be mindful about what we are doing right now before we get to the point where we ask the question, how did I get here? Because the truth is, no one wakes up suddenly addicted. You may be born with a predisposition to have a higher likelihood of it, but it is a series of unhealthy decisions that sink that hook of addiction deeper and deeper into your character. No one thinks they're gonna be an addict the first time they try something, but it always starts somewhere. One bad influence, one bad decision can get that cycle going. And though the world wants you to think that you can do whatever you want without consequence, everything we do in life is a step towards light or darkness. This is what the upside down kingdom teaches us. Every decision we make, every choice we make is a step towards life or death. So we have to ask the question, what are we feeding ourselves? Have you ever stopped to think about the things that are influencing our lives? What are our greatest influences today? Well, one I would argue is close relationships, close friendships. I'm sure many of you have heard something, some variation of this, that you are the sum of your five closest friends. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. If you surround yourself with people that don't really live in the light of Jesus, you're gonna end up looking a lot like them and thinking a lot like them and talking a lot like them. Our peers, our friends, our family, they all have a great deal of influence, us, influence on us. So let's make sure that we are picking good people to surround ourselves with, that we're picking strong community. Because if we make best friends of those who influence us in detrimental ways, it's gonna have devastating consequences. It's a recipe for disaster. And this makes me think of Proverbs 27, six. This is one of my favorite Proverbs. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. I love that. We need friends in our lives that will call us out whenever we are moving away from Jesus. If we only surround ourselves with a bunch of yes men, if we're only surrounding ourselves with people who just enable our bad habits, that's not a good friend. We need to be around people who are gonna be quick to call us out and help us stay accountable. So may we seek those friendships. If anything else, hear me say this, this week, find one of those friends. If you don't have one of them, find one person that you can share everything with. 
and that they're going to care enough about your life to do the same. Another big influence on our lives is the consumption of media. I'll tell you, I gave up social media for Lent, and I may never look back. There have been some things that I've been out of the loop about. For example, I'm a big basketball fan. I don't really know much about what's going on with March Madness. I watched like a game or two with my parents the other day. And I also didn't hear about John Morant and all the stuff that's happening in the NBA. That was all new to me. But you know how I learned about it? A conversation. The old-fashioned way. (laughs) And I'm going to be honest, I kind of like being out of the loop. I do. I feel less pressure. I feel less stressed that things are on my shoulders. And I feel a lot closer to God. You want to know what's adding to our anxiety so much? Stuff like this. Tonight on KMBC, five ways your fridge are going to kill you. Also, your dog actually sees ghosts? More tonight at 10. Like, what are the headlines that we're seeing on the news? Almost always, they are bad news, right? And if it's not bad news, it's something that's going to try to raise your blood pressure a little bit. Because science has shown that bad news travels 10 times faster than good news, and it's all about the ratings. So how can we stir up as much antagonizing and fear as we possibly can so people will watch our show? And to be fair, I think there's a balance, right? There's a balance to be had about being informed versus being a slave to a news station or Twitter. But we have to stop letting media influences divide us so much and cause this deep fear and anxiety. Let's instead focus on those that God places right in front of us. And one thing I heard at a conference this weekend at Lipscomb that really stuck with me, there was a youth minister that said he gave up social media because he was tired of his son looking at the top of his head instead of his eyes. That was powerful. What if we as a church let Jesus be our feed instead of Twitter or Facebook. Also, some of you might think I'm a little old school for saying this, but let's ask the question, what kinds of music and shows are we watching? I can tell you this, ever since I've been more mindful about what I watch and listen to, I gained a much more optimistic perspective about the world. And I think I have the perspective closer to Jesus of seeing people and the dignity that they have. And whenever we are thinking about watching a show, me and Abby, we try to look on the front end. Is this something that's going to add light to my life or darkness? Do we really want to watch this? And we're not like legalistic about this. We watch a lot of shows, but we do want to do the the digging on the front end to make sure this is something we want to put into our, our eyes because we do believe that we are shaped by the things that we consume. And another big influence on us is who we give a voice to in our lives. If we latch on to the teachings of one person, no matter how good that person is, we're getting close to what Paul warns us about in 1 Corinthians. Some follow Paul, other follow Apollos. You know, we could listen to a lot of really great Christian voices, or we could listen to some political voices, or whoever we follow on social media, and take so much of what they say as gospel, as truth. But we have to realize we only have one Lord of our lives. And that is the voice of Jesus. Because in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter what Kyle Dingus thinks. It doesn't matter what Joe Biden thinks. It doesn't matter what Donald Trump thinks. 
It doesn't matter what Joe Rogan thinks or what Marty Solomon thinks or Christy McClellan thinks, right? In the grand scheme of things, there is one voice that is the Lord of our lives, and that is Jesus. We have and serve one Lord. So let's fill our lives with the light that is unto our path. And I'm not saying never listen to other voices or other voices aren't important or aren't helpful, but I'm saying only one of them is Lord. So let's ask the question then, what should we feed ourselves with? This sounds like one of the most churchy answers ever, but here it is. That which leads us to the light. <laughs> the things that refine our character to be more like Jesus. Because if Jesus is not the bedrock foundation of our lives, whenever the storms of life come, our house will crumble. Jesus needs to be that foundation. And we need to ask this question whenever we make decisions. Is this action or is this consumption of this content, is this moving me closer to Jesus or pushing me away from him? So I'm going to challenge you guys to do something today, all right? This is a little bit different. And I want you to really consider this. I did this this week and it was super helpful, all right? Here is a spiritual exercise that I would invite you to do at home. And some of you might be like, that's not my cup of tea. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't want to do it. I don't want to journal. I don't want to write my thoughts and feelings. Okay, I hear you. Try it out, okay? Let's go to this next slide. So this is something that I did this week, and I walked away with two action steps from my life that I think is going to help me get closer to Jesus. So if you want to, you can take a picture of this, or you can go back and watch the stream later. Or if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. But highly recommend. So what I would recommend, wow, I see all these cameras now. Hey. Um, so the first thing is really take some time, get away from some stuff, sit alone and ask this question. What kind of person do I want to be? What do I want my character to be about? What do I want to be remembered for when I die? Who do I want to be? And really sit down, journal that out, write it out. And then after that, list out all of your habits or your actions that you do during an average week. Now, that might be a lot. I don't know if I want to do that for all five days a week. Maybe do a weekday and a weekend day average. So go through that day. What do you do? What are the things? I mean, and don't, do not lie to yourself. Write down everything that you do, okay? And then the third thing is look at those actions and mark whether they lead you more to the light or darkness. Maybe you can take a highlighter. If it's something that you feel like is leading you to the light, highlight it. And that's gonna help you sort of do a little diagnostic of am I spending, in, in my time that I'm spending, is it mostly leading me to Jesus or is it maybe pushing me away a little bit? And then this last question, this one's where the rubber meets the road. What is Jesus inviting me to let go of or add to my life? What is that invitation? I'm guessing in doing this, you're going to feel a little conviction. <laughs> you're going to see some parts of your life that you're like, ugh, I don't know. And, and the thing is, if you're having a hard time wondering whether the thing that you're talking about or the thing that you marked up is light or darkness, it's probably darkness. <laughs> if it's not a very clear yes, there might be a little red flag there. But I really think doing something like this is beneficial. I did it this week. It convicted me. And I'm going to start trying to change and live a little bit differently through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? 
not, not on my own effort, but reliance upon God. And I know it's going to be hard to start a lot of the good habits I want to start. Sometimes it might feel boring, but I know in the long run it's going to feel good. <laughs> and I know it's going to be good for me. And if you're having a hard time knowing what to supplement, what to replace, what bad habits you might want to get rid of and the good habits you want to join in, here's some ideas. Go ahead and go to the next one. Oh, it's on it. Ha, <laughs> I'm just blind. Uh, so we talked about this last week. Prayer, Sabbath, solitude. I don't want to spend too much time talking about this because I just talked about it last week, so just go watch the sermon from last week. But all of these are so important. Prayer needs to be a foundation of our life as well. It's a necessary part of the believer's life. Also, Sabbath, we've got to slow down. Our world is so go, go, go. Slow down. It's helpful. Solitude. Maybe some of you like going hiking or spending time in nature or going fishing or sitting in a deer blind or something like that. Go, <laughs> uh, go, go do that. And then marvel at God's creation. That is worship. Another thing is Bible study. It's like, okay, prayer and Bible study. How church are we getting today, Kyle? Whenever I say Bible study, I'm not saying just for the sake of trying to be good at Bible bowls or checking off a daily reading. I'm talking about being fueled by the curiosity of wanting to know the God behind the text. A devotional reading. Asking God to reveal himself to you as you read. I think that is a really helpful part of a life. <laughs> so I highly recommend doing something like that. And there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. Uh, service. Jesus was the servant of all. And if the end game is for us to be like Jesus, that means we need to serve. So whether that's volunteering here at church, whether that's helping out with things like Franktown or Graceworks or what, whatever else is going on in the world, that you can do something that has no benefit for yourself. We need to be doing those things. I need to be better at that myself. Also, community. Again, I'm going to encourage you. If you don't have that one friend, make that friend this week. Have that person pouring into your life. And then the last one, create. I think it's safe to say God is the cr most creative person I know. He created the universe in an intricate fashion, right? And we, made in his image, all have creativity in different ways. So what are the things that the passions, what are the giftings that God has given you that you can give to him? If you're, if you're a musician, why don't you write some songs that we haven't been singing as a church? What theology do we need to be pumped into our churches? If you're an artist, what paintings can we do that helps people communicate something about God that words can't do? Think about the things that you can do, the things you can put into this world, the work, the good work that you can do that's going to outlive your life. Do those things. Get creative, because I really believe that you can worship God in doing just about everything apart from sinning. So try to make a habit of these things, and it may feel hard at first, it may feel boring at first, but I promise you, the more you do these, the more it becomes a joy and the closer you get to God. And to get to the, the spot you want to be in that exercise, who's the person I want to be, to get there, it's not an overnight thing. You don't just wake up and get there. It takes a lifetime of discipline. It takes a lifetime of saying yes to the light. But it starts with one step. 
And it, could you imagine if we have a church of people who all, all of us, are wanting to pursue the light of Jesus with everything that we have? Could you imagine what that would do for the world? Could you imagine how that would change Franklin? Because the truth is, if we live like every other person around us, if we live like every other American, then we are helping our neighbors stay in the darkness. We need to be living in the light so they can see the light and want to come closer to the light that their souls have been craving for their entire lives. And we can do that. I think we need to add a line to uh, this little light of mine. Hide it inside a church. Oh no, we gotta let it shine, right? Because we have a lot of light in here. People take care of each other here. People love each other here, and that's great, but the world needs that light too. And everything that I've talked about today, thinking about how your actions have consequences, and those consequences can be pretty bad. It can be a little heavy, this sort of thing. Doing an assessment of your life can be really heavy if we're being honest with ourselves. This is a serious thing. And living a life of wisdom is serious. It's important. But I say all of this to say this. And we're going to talk about it more next week. There is a power that is greater than wisdom. A power that even whenever we squander all of our inheritance, if we live our whole lives in the darkness, if we're so deep in the consequences of our own sin, that even so, we have a God that is going to welcome us back with open arms and help you live a flourishing life anyway, because grace is greater than wisdom. And we're going to talk more about that next week. But today, if you're somebody who's got to clean out some stuff in your life, if you want help in doing that, if you would like for people to pray over you about something that's going on in your life, if you want prayers of celebration, you just want to share in something good that's happening, if you want to learn more about how you can get plugged in here, you want to learn more about Jesus, you want to get baptized, whatever it is, I want to invite any of you we're going to ask the shepherds and prayer team to go ahead and gather around the room. If any of you have any of that going on in your life and you just want someone to pray over you, then this is a great opportunity to do this. And we're going to do that after I pray and during this next song. So please do not feel afraid to go ask for prayers. I do it a lot. <laughs> Lord, we thank you so much that you're a God that has given us truth, that you're a God that wants to be close to us and wants us to walk in step with you. I pray that you help us as a church to see the light of Jesus and to let that light fill our whole body. I pray that you help us to choose better habits, and I pray that you give us the strength through your Holy Spirit to do that, because on our own, we can't. I pray that you give us wisdom in our lives. I pray whenever we are faced with that decision of that which leads us to life and that which leads us to death, I pray that you give us the strength to say life. And we thank you so much that you're a God that has grace. That you're a God that 
looks at all of the mess that we've made and still says, I'll clean it up for you. We are so grateful that you're a God that loves us and delights in us, even in the times whenever we might spit in your face. We love you, Lord, and we pray revival for this church. We pray for your kingdom to come here. And we pray that you help all of us live into the light in the world around us. In Jesus' name.